Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. On today's episode, Liz and I talk with Master Life coaches Clay and Sonia Arnold about safe conversations, which tap into brain science and overcoming negative responses that are triggered by certain phrases we use. We also have a great discussion about the importance of zero negativity and listening with empathy. Relational coaches for 22 years, Sonia and Clay have worked with individuals, families, and couples around the world. Theirs is an integrative neuroscience-based approach for life planning and interpersonal growth for relationships of all kinds. They offer workshops and consultations with clients and even provide skills to one person, believing that a ripple effect will occur as people practice the skills in their work lives, congregations, families, and communities. Sonia and Clay have been married for 43 years and have four grown children and five grandkids. They live with their grand dogs in Arlington, Texas. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Stronger Marriage Connection. I am clinical psychologist Dr. Liz Hale, along with my friend and professor Dr. Dave Schramm. We are dedicating our life's work to bringing you the best we have in valid marital research along with a few tips and tools to help you create the marriage of your dreams. Dave, there's often this debate in our field, as you know, about what makes a conversation or a person safe, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. It's it's happening all the time, yeah. All the time, in nearly every therapeutic conversation I have in my office, and even just even uh, a couple days ago, there was a couple, and at the same time, they practically said, I don't feel safe with you. I could have said jinx if it was funny, but it wasn't funny. It was pretty serious. So what makes a conversation safe to the human brain? Well, relational coaches, Clay and Sonia Arnold, have the answer. And they are not only business partners, but life partners for over 43 years now. Welcome to Stronger Marriage Connection, Clay and Sonia. So happy to have you. Thank you. We're so glad to be here. Great to see you. Yeah, so so excited for our conversation ahead, Clay and Sonia. I'm going to just jump right in. Let's start from the very beginning here. What exactly constitutes a safe conversation, and and how did it all get started? Uh, it actually came from uh, Doctors Harwell uh, Hendricks and Helen Kelly Hunt uh, created uh, originally Imago Therapy, and uh, they and it was, which was a very uh, groundbreaking theory for is uh, working with marriage and giving a, a couple's new tools. But one of the things that happened was that Harville realized how many people actually go to therapy 
And the answer was not that many. And so uh, he kind of took it and recreated it into what we call safe conversations. Uh, and we make that accessible to, uh, to couples outside of the therapeutic setting uh, with that. Uh, a safe conversation is one that it's, it's pretty simple, actually, in, in theory. It's one in which you talk without criticism. Uh, you learn how to listen uh, without judgment and how to connect beyond your differences, which is the number one reason that creates conflict for couples. And safety really, when, when you have a safe conversation and you feel that safety in a relationship, then the anxiety is regulated. You know that you can be heard and you can be listened to and people can, people can talk to you and they can feel safe and you can feel safe in that conversation as well. Because connection really cannot happen if you're feeling that anxiety. It's a little bit of a paradigm though, because it's a different way of, of looking at relationship. There's, we always often look at it as just you and me. And so sometimes you get to be the bad guy and I do. Safe Conversations does it different. We look at that there's the two of us, but there's also a space between us. And that space between us is actually the relationship. And that's the place where if we work on that together and we nurture that space between, then we are able to connect and communicate in a safe way. Mm -hmm. Now, I think that this topic just really resonates with a lot of our, our listeners. We, we know, we've talked about um, on this podcast before, how our brains are constantly scanning our environment for, for threats, for potential danger. It's continuously working to keep um, ourselves safe. In fact, safety is one of our, I talk about these three needs that we have. We have the need for safety, for satisfaction, and connection. And your program, Safe Conversations, taps into cutting-edge brain science regarding the use of certain phrases that you say have been shown to not trigger negative responses in another person. Can you tell us what are some of these powerful phrases that you use? Well, you're right. Yeah, the sentence stems keeps us from triggering. It helps us to integrate our brains and get into that upper brain, which allows us to see things from a different point of view, create win-win situations, and to not be triggered in that fight, flight, or freeze situation. So the one that I like is, let me see if I've got that. So that's kind of an invitation to, oh, I'm listening to you, and I want to tell you what I've heard. And then the next one is, did I get it? So then you check for accuracy. What is, you know, did I get it? Because sometimes we listen well and sometimes we don't listen well. And I know a lot of times we do that. And when we do that, Clay say, oh, yeah, well, that's actually what I said. But that's not really what I meant. <laughs> Let me try that again. So it really does help to regulate the mind reading that so often happens in a conversation. Um, and then the next one, which is a beautiful one, is is there more about that? That's the secret sauce. Is there more about that? We never ask that question when we're talking to, to our partner or anybody else for that matter with it. So just asking, is there more about that? It's oftentimes people, when I do that, say that to them, or they look me big eyed and go, you really want to know more? It's like, yeah, I want to know more. So, it's, you know, share a little bit with me. And for those of us who grew up, I think not being heard or listened to, um, it really is a beautiful thing because sometimes we end up talking too much, like, oh, I have to get it all in right now while you're listening to me. And then it just kind of calms you down. If you know that somebody's going to say, is there more about that? <laughs> then you can kind of like, okay, I can give it to you in bite-sized pieces. And then it, there's going to be an opportunity rather than jumping into, oh, this is my point of view. 
Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Those are powerful. So will you just say those three again and make sure that I, that I have them? Let me see if I've got that. Let me see if I've got that. Did I get that? Did I get it? And is there more about it, that? Is there more about that? Okay. Those are powerful phrases, aren't they, Liz? <laughs> yes. And this might be the perfect time, Dave, if you don't mind. If, if we asked you, Sonia and Clay, do you mind showing us modeling for us an example of that? And sure. you said it, right? And just before that, you say the most important thing is setting up an appointment because our partner, just because they're there doesn't mean they're available, right? Yeah. So we're going to do, we're going to model, uh, uh, do a mirroring uh, of an appreciation. Uh, the safe conversations process actually has three parts to it in a succession. One is mirroring. The second one is validating. And the third one is empathizing with our partner. But we're just going to do the mirroring part because of time uh, today and give you an example of that. So, yes, asking for the appointment is the first is the first step because we don't often know if it's a good time for our partner and we want to tell them what it is, because if I said, oh, is now a good time to share an appreciation on world, you know, worldwide podcast then he's like, oh, yeah, sure. But if I said, oh, is now a good time for me to share something that I'm frustrated about? Then he's like, mm, maybe not. Or maybe you don't want to talk about our budget right here. Or <laughs> so. just in practice. I mean, if I've been on the freeway for an hour and a half and I come in and I just need to take a break for a second, it gives me that space. But it's about respect because you want your partner to be fully present. And that's why making that appointment is so critical in looking at, OK, I want to be fully here and engage with you in what we're going to talk about, whatever the topic. May be. And if now is not a good time, then you kind of want to be able to say now it's not a good time, but say when would be a good time. Oh, yeah, I can do it in 10 minutes or maybe tomorrow morning. So, so OK, is now a good time for me to share an appreciation with you? It is a good time. I really appreciate you setting things up and being here and doing this with you today. So if I got that, you appreciate that uh, me setting up things and uh, me being here with you today and doing all those things to, in preparation for this. Did I get that? Yes, you did get that. Is there more about that? Uh, yes. I think I just really enjoy um, doing things with you and helping helping each other to, to get it all together. So if I got that, you uh, appreciate us doing things together and being able to do this uh, together. Um, and that's in the setting. Yes. Did I get all that? You got that. So thank you for sharing that. Well, thank you for listening. Beautiful. I love it. Thank you for the demonstration. Using those key sure. phrases, some of them. That's, that's it cool. is. So it is pretty simple, um, but it's not always easy. Mm -hmm. For example, yeah. if it had been a frustration, then yeah. it's the same process. Because yeah. you don't interrupt, you still just listen and you just hear what the person has to say. And, and sharing an appreciation is always a win-win wherever you are in your relationship with each other. With it, Because oftentimes we realize that uh, we haven't done that in quite some time for most couples with it. So just simply doing that. And when we do that, it nurtures that space between us. We put and you always you start every conversation that way, right? Clean something yes. because right. what I learned. Yes. Is that first, I just want to say I appreciate Dave, you four, and then we go into the, the next discussion. Yeah, yeah. I, I really and love it, that. You know, my, my biggest regret is any time I don't teach a couple how to listen and how to talk. You know, we're pretty good at talking. Well, mm -hmm. it's the most dangerous thing we do, I know. But listening is the least frequent thing we do. I'm, I always regret if I don't sit them down and teach them about safe conversations. It's my bad if I don't. Yeah. On the listening, it's an average of 17% we hear if we're in a good mood. 
And if we're not in a good mood, then that can drop even lower. So we're already challenged in that arena to start with, as neuroscience mm-hmm. has been teaching us. So learning how to engage and really listen fully is a big deal. Yes. Do you have, are there crucial elements of effective listening and, and why is it so difficult to do? We live in a society where we're not taught that's important. Uh, in fact, talking is emphasized. I mean, we have Toastmasters and we give awards for the best speech and all that kind of thing. I've never seen an award for listening. I don't know about you, uh, but uh, we all have a little lawyer and a little analyst that sit on our shoulder. And uh, and Dave, if you're talking to me and I'm sitting over here preparing my rebuttal or I'm on the other side figuring out how to fix it, I'm not listening to you. And the, the, the way to really cure that is, and that's what I love about mirroring. Mirroring, I cannot retain the information you're giving me and be doing that at the same time. My brain can't handle it and nobody else's can either with it. So mirroring becomes that huge step in making me a better listener, uh, a listener of you and in our relationship as well. Yeah. You know, I this sparks in my mind, um, kind of deviate for a second, but I think it's related is that I often said that one of the greatest gifts you can give your, your spouse, your partner is not necessarily your time, it's your attention that you're all in attention. And what you're saying, Clay, is that if my mind, if I'm not paying attention and my, that little lawyer is going to bat thinking, oh, I'm going to let them have it after this, then I'm not truly listening if I'm not all in, if, not, if I'm not humble, if I don't have a soft heart and I'm not truly giving them my attention. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm listening to understand. You know, what is your intent when you're in the process? Do you, What's more important to you? And here, here's, I ask my, my uh, class this question regularly. What's more important to you? Being right or being in relationship. And you got to decide because that's going to make the difference of what happens in the interaction, especially when it comes to listening. And it is kind of just honoring, honoring that other person that they have the right to have a, an opinion. And that opinion might be the same as yours. It might be different than yours, um, but it, it's you can learn from each other and you can grow um, as human beings by listening to others, people, even if they are not in agreement with you and that not being the goal. Like, again, a lot of times we listen because we want to, then we want to talk because then we want you to hear my point of view because we want to change you to make you like me. But then we don't want you to be like me really because you're amazing. I like need, you are. And I need you to be different. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I like the way you put that, Sonia, that, it, that honoring. And that's really what it is. It's, it's honoring what they have to say and that you really are interested in wanting them to, to be honest. Yeah. With you and, and then to validate that. We'll be right back after this brief message. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor, 
find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. And we're back. Well, let's dive right in. You, you mentioned, um, I think in your program, you talk about the zero negativity. And, and it you know, certainly sounds uh, appealing, but you literally mean a couple should strive for absolutely no negativity in their relationships. And then how do you, how do you coach couples to do this? It is, it is hard. I mean, it is definitely hard. And I would say, and even Harva would say, it's impossible. But we are so habituated to negativity. I mean, it's just in our culture. Again, it's all about that. I need to be right. So I need to force you to be right and just going into judgment. So it's not about not bringing up problems. It's not bringing up difficult topics. It's just learning how I can bring up the topic in a way that is not judgmental and that's not shaming or blaming or criticizing you. It's just, okay, this is a problem. This is a, this is an issue that I'm bringing up and learning how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Clay said when we were doing training that it was, he's like, I just, I just can't do this. I just, <laughs> I mean, I'm true. so, I'm just, I mean, this is how you talk, isn't it? And then Harville said, well, you need to set, set your phone and, you know, take it one hour at a time. Can you do it for an hour? And we did learn from, you know, just setting a goal for an hour a day. 30 days to like do it and um, watch what you're saying, being intentional. And then the repair. Do you want to go into the repair? Well, yeah. And also, I just wanted to add to that. When you are habituated to negativity, like when you're growing up with your caretakers, a lot of times it's a challenge to do that with each other. But I, I see it now as a non-negotiable. You absolutely have to let that be the goal in the relationship because that nurtures the space between because we've got to feel safe enough to connect so that we can communicate. And if there's a bunch of negativity in that space, you're not going to do that because your anxiety is falling, firing off and you're not going to, that connection is not going to be there with it. So, and the more I've done this coming out of that kind of background, the more I see it's a, you know, it's an absolute, are we perfect at it? No, but that needs to be a shared goal between us in our relationship. And repair. Some of it is like, oh, yeah, owning when you've blown it, <laughs> owning when you've raised your voice, you owning, <laughs> owning when you when you kind of let, you know, got into that lower brain and attacked rather than sat back and listened and then doing a repair and saying, you know, what do you need for a repair? Um, and sometimes it's large and sometimes it's 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 small and it's just kind of those little bitty irritations. And sometimes they're really, you know, huge invalidations of who you are. And that requires a larger repair. But the quicker that you repair really signifies the health of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Not that you're never going to have arguments and you're never going to mess up because... Or that you're not going to have differences. Yeah. Yeah. We, can I just ask you real quick then, when you talk about owning your negativity, you're saying that if I'm being negative, you know, to, to my spouse... Um, it's not her job to catch me in the negativity and say, Hey, I thought we we're going to have not have any negativity. It's more of my job, my responsibility. Is that what you mean by owning negative? When, if negativity does start, come up, what do you recommend? When you're, when you're in agreement that that's where we're going as a couple and to nurture the space like that with it too, then you can go either. You do have to own it yourself, but also, you know, something may fall on her as negative and I don't realize it is. We have a little catch word for the, for the minor stuff. 
uh, that we can say, and it doesn't come out negative. And we've played with all kinds of words for this, but we say a marshmallow. And if one of us says marshmallow, then we go, oh, okay, let's back up here. You know, how, how could I said that different? Or, you know, was there something I could do to, to make that better? And I'll, if, if Sonny says something, it lands on me negative. I'll even model that for her. You know, okay, maybe it's tone. Maybe it's, Facial expression. So you model what you like. You, what you, how what you could like. I say that differently? Exactly. And it's like, okay, you could model it. And a lot of times I don't even realize that I am going to the tone <laughs> until there's a marshmallow that comes up. And then it's like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, soften my voice. Don't go to that. And then plays with him. It's usually the, the volume that kind of is a trigger to me. When the volume goes up, then I can just like, oh, marshmallow. And then he's like, oh, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And I said, so then asking for what I want is like, can you soften that tone? Can you lower your volume mm-hmm. while we're discussing this? Um, and that's usually one that needs a break because usually if the volume's <laughs> going up, then I'm already triggered and he's already triggered. Then we need to like, okay, let's have a glass of water <laughs> and then come back and, and do it. So sometimes it's immediate and sometimes it does take a little bit of time to get that brain going so that you can really feel safe in the relationship. But the big thing is address it. Don't ignore mm-hmm. it. Don't stuff it. Don't, don't, you know, put it off a month or whatever, because all it's going to do is stack it because another one's probably going to happen. And then, and then, and then, and then we have some kind of nuclear blowout over something <laughs> minor. And it's like, what in the world just happened? <laughs> With the two, all this stuff has stacked up to get us to that level. And sometimes, sometimes we like it. You know, we want to kind of, we feel, oh, I have a right to be angry because There's this happened. Again. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, yeah. And it feels like powerful to keep going and mm-hmm. to nurture that. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I did that. And so owning my part in that, okay, I need to step up. I need to say this circle. Mm-hmm. And then if someone, you know, has like, oh, yeah, owning it. Like if I said marshmallow and it's like, well, I don't care that you're saying marshmallow. I want to yell at you. That doesn't work, but just kind of like, okay, be willing to accept that because he may not think it's a big deal if he yells. And I'm like, mm, no, can't, can't do that. But I've learned it's a big deal to her. And that's, that's what the hard intent is. If it's, if it's negative to her and it's impacting her, then I need to change if we're going to have a rich relationship and vice versa. I love that. May not have been my intention, but if my husband heard that as negative, right, that's what I need to pay attention to. You, you had mentioned your founders, Harville Hendricks and Helen LaKelly uh, Hunt, and um, I just really have always followed them, seasoned couple and marriage therapists and trainers, and they actually took a simple calendar, and they had happy faces, happy stickers, Dave, and unhappy stickers, and they tried to see how many days in a row they could go on a calendar, right? And if they messed up, they had a reset sticker. <laughs> yes. They and really you have to prepare went. when it comes. And when they started, it was more unhappy faces than happy faces. <laughs> and they are so honest about that. One of my favorite books is Making Marriage Simple that they wrote together. Because back in 89, um, Dave, they often like to tell the story to their audiences that while they were hoping, helping Oprah Winfrey get her first Emmy, they had a little secret. And that is that they could not get along. They were fighting about who had the worst childhood. And um, here they are, you know, these impactful people. They've gone to five therapists. The first two they fired because they knew more than those two therapists. The fifth one fired them saying, you're the couple from hell. There's a door. And uh, and they started really, like you said, the upper brain versus the lower brain. They really started to slow things down, create these safe conversations, see how many days in a row they could go with zero negativity or repair when they had it. 
And it really made a huge difference. And they say to this day, Dave, that if we can do it, you can do it. It's yeah. so encouraging. So honest of them. Yeah. That Helen's is, that's really aha cool. moment with that was she looked at Harville and said, we need to have brain surgery. <laughs> uh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the, you know, the integration in things is they began to study neuroscience, which, you know, was yes. pretty cutting edge. And, and that time frame, it was just beginning as far as what we know now. Um, and that's where they started applying this. Ah, I love it. I've heard that before. The couples will say, I wish I could have a lobotomy. I wish I could just take that experience, right? You know, and my heart goes out to them. I wish they could too. It's, it's hard to grapple with some of the experiences we have in marriages. Some things are really painful and I wish we could X them out, but perhaps then we'd miss the, the magic and the meaning and the growth. We also, Dave and I want to be sure to ask you about the Imago therapy. That's so fascinating to me. Tell us a little bit about Imago and what it has to do with who we choose in marriage. Well, the idea of Imago comes from my image. So it, it's the philosophy that you going to choose a partner based on both the positive and the negative aspects of your caregivers when you're growing up, and which is really interesting because you think that you are marrying someone who's going to meet all your needs. Um, <laughs> and oftentimes couples will say, oh, you tricked me because a year later, the person that you are with doesn't seem to be anything like the person that you were with, you know, that you got to know before. But really, it is that brain that tricked you because the brain was like, oh, handsome, blonde, strong, quiet. And then on the other hand, there's like, oh, withdrawn, <laughs> um, anxious. anxious. And then it's like, oh, yes, I know that feels very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> and so then it's like, oh, my gosh, but you kind of mentioned before it's not brain surgery, but through the dialogue process. What we've learned mm -hmm. is that you can work through those. You can work through looking at, oh, well, um, you know, why do you do this and why do and why do I do that? <laughs> and I really fought this philosophy for a long time because I thought, oh, no. I am nothing like your mother. I am nothing like your mother. And um, I just I just refuse to admit that until she lived with me in my house with Alzheimer's. And I thought, oh, my goodness, <laughs> I noticed her doing some of the same things to Clay that I was doing behaviors for my teenage son at that time. And then I just thought this I need I need therapy for this, but I don't need therapy because I just need to talk to Clay about it. <laughs> and that was a really great thing for us as in our relationship. After being married for 35 years, we had this experience and they're like, there were new things to explore and new things to learn about things. And then it was like, yes. And then it was healing to me. It was healing to Clay and it was healing to our relationship as well. We often see these things, uh, you know, the difference in our partner, even though they're the person least likely to be able to meet our needs. We see them as adversarial, but they're actually our ally because they help us to grow personally. The spouse grows, we grow, uh, you know, whoever's trying to meet, meet that need. And it, because it pushes into to that place where we are going to automatically grow and it, we need to be willing to grow uh, together in that relationship. We've certainly done that. I mean, we started dating when we were 17 and, uh, you know, yeah. And we grew up together. We, you know, we've been married 43 years with it too. We still are growing. We still have edges. We still have things that I'm not capable of meeting for her and vice versa, but we know now how to connect uh, and to communicate those things in a safe way so that we can do that and be that for each other. 
Mm. You know, Clancy, let me ask you, this is probably a good point to ask you this because, um, you know, dating since 17 and been married 43 years. There are many couples today who, um, who can't see 43 years ahead. They get married, they're, they're in love. They have these feelings and then issues come up and I get irritated and, you know, Hey, I didn't know you had this weird habit and personalities start, start to clash. And I think a lot of couples, even in the first year or two or three start to kind of wonder, did I marry the wrong person? What's going on? What's happening in our, in our relationship? They start questioning, um, whether they made the, the right decision. How do you explain why this happens and, and what can couples do? I would say kind of in the early transition to marriage, early years of marriage. Um, yeah, I think there's a myth and there's a myth in our culture that if you have conflict, then you're with the wrong person. And one of the quotes that we like from Harvard, if you're my soulmate, we yeah, won't ever, we fight. won't ever fight. We will always get along. <laughs> Otherwise, what's wrong with you? Um, but it really is that conflict is growth waiting to happen. And so knowing that learning how to deal with conflict in an effective, safe way is really the key. I think it, that goes hand in hand with another myth, which is I know how to do this thing called relationships and marriage, which none of us do. None of us go into a relationship with the skills, no matter what our background was. I mean, some of us maybe had more more than others, but really we, we don't go. This is not taught in high school, college master's degree. Wished it was. <laughs> it just, you know, we, we don't know. So learning it, but they are skills. Mm -hmm. Relationships is all about skills. Mm -hmm. Just like learning to do the technology to get on here is a skill that we have to learn. Learning to listen is a skill. Mm -hmm. Learning to speak in a, in a gentle way that can be heard by your partner is a skill. And I think knowing that skill and being willing to learn new skills, new way of doing things, even into your 60s. When you're when you're 20s, yeah. When you're first married, learn those skills. Go to places, seek out good mentors, and then, you know, keep doing it all through because your life is going to change um, throughout. You're going to encounter health issues. You're going to encounter caring for senior parents. You're going to encounter um, lifestyle. lifestyle, surgeries, yeah. all of these kinds of things. And each stage has its own challenges. So learning to talk about those, yeah. to be on the same team is the key. But do realize your brain tricked you. When you first fall in love, you have all these good, you know, epinephrine and all these good chemicals that are firing off in your brain. And then after a while, the more committed you get, the more that wears off with it. And then we start Thing. You squeeze the toothpaste at the top and not the bottom. And all, those, all that stuff starts to happen with it. Person hasn't changed. It's just that we have, and those, those chemicals have, have calmed down in our brain. So some of it's our own brain uh, is why the shift in, happens in that change. Um, but you can learn how to do that differently. And I do think I want to bring up having fun together, having pleasant times. I, I, I often, when we teach younger couples, we do workshops and what I notice about the young couples is they're very serious. I mean, and the, I mean, I'm glad that they're serious and they want to be intentional about your relationships. But sometimes I'm like, you have to have fun. You have to allow that space yeah. in your life to enjoy each other, to be crazy, to have fun, to dance in your kitchen, to mm -hmm. go out. We went hiking this past weekend. We're still, I mean, like I was really happy. Clay had hip surgery a year ago and he can finally get down into that Creek with me and, mm -hmm. and we can have those adventures 
but have them all. They're so important. We stop having fun, don't we? That's just across the board. I get it. Life just takes on a. And think serious- about when you were dating. What all did you do when you were dating? Right. You know? All kinds Amazing. of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And back to your program, Safe Conversations. I know there's an emphasis on empathy. What do you want our listeners to take away about empathy and the best way to convey that to their partner? So empathy, well, let me go back to validation because validation is one of the key important. So validation is being able to see something from their point of view and give them the right to do that. And that's kind of the bridge to empathy because when you can see things from their point of view and allow them, then you can go to more of the feeling point. Yeah, even if you don't agree yeah. with them of being able to say, okay, that's your reality that you're seeing. I'm going to respect that. Um, and yeah, well, that makes sense. It may not make sense to me, but it makes sense to you. <laughs> and that's okay. And I can imagine that. So the sentence stem that we use for empathy is I can imagine you might feel, and you don't have to feel that way, but you can kind of, you know, from what I've heard, you ha- do have to have listened to the person first. And I can imagine that you feel happy, sad, upset, angry about that situation. But then going back to that other idea of respecting and, okay, did I get it? Did I get it? Is that your feeling? And then the person's like, well, yeah, well, maybe not angry, more like rageful. <laughs> I don't know. Or, or whatever. It just kind of allows you to be in that place. So mm-hmm. then they, when those v- words are put to the feelings, then they can really feel that empathy. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times we kind of try to shut down the feelings that somebody else have, especially when they're strong. I know. Or minimize it or tell them how they should feel. And this is not, empathy is not about that. It's trying to connect to find out what what they're feeling. It's not about us. It's about them. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. I love that. One of the questions we like to ask all of our guests that come on the Stronger Marriage Connection uh, podcast is, what do you think is the key for a, a stronger marriage connection? Uh, and I'll ask each of you. Each of you can should answer this the question about what makes for a stronger connection. You want to go? You go first. Mm-hmm. For me, it's learning to connect first, so that I can communicate. With that that was a foreign concept to me, and the reality is, and especially with what I brought from my past into the space with it, where the one who yells the loudest wins, uh, that didn't work really well. So learning a, a different way of doing it, connecting and the sentence stems within the dialogue help do that. But why? Because it makes it safe. And if it's safe, then I'm going to communicate with you. So for me, that's the biggie. I like the idea of honoring that you're two individuals, that you are not going to be the same person. And we have that idea that you're, you're two unique individuals who have different ideas, different values, different strengths and weaknesses. And if you come together and think about that nurturing, let's nurture the relationship, let's nurture the space between, then it doesn't become that something is your problem or my problem. Nobody's fault. It's like, okay, we can be on that same team. We can solve our problems and we can do it in a way that, meets both of our needs and we can both bring our strengths into that. Also, I may also add, you know, going back to the skills, there's skills that you, you, you learn. Yeah. Be willing to learn. I know Dr. Dave often says that, right? Dave, skill and will. Yeah. Willing. 
Yeah. Uh, I think that's brilliant. Where can listeners go to find out more about you and all that you offer couples as senior trainers for safe conversations? You can, our, our own website is Heart Life Coaching DFW, as in Dallas Fort Worth.com. Or you, for general things about safe conversations, self safe conversations.com. And you can find out about uh, workshops and materials and things uh, as far as the process is concerned on that website as well. And we are um, senior, as senior trainers, we do a training program for safe conversations where it's international. So it's open now for 2023. And, um, and where we teach people how to teach this, how to take this to take, your take community, it take it to your, your, you know, your, mm-hmm. your circle. And for ourselves, yeah, we do workshops. We do workshops online for people. We have a program um, where it's digitized that you can do it on demand. And then we follow up on this. Plus, we we would love to connect with your community. If you mm-hmm. want to bring a workshop to your community, or we'd love to do that. questions about it. Yeah, just contact us at heartlifecoachingdfw.com. And we're on social media, Instagram and Facebook and Working on TikTok. <laughs> hey, that's right. Oh, about learning new skills. <laughs> yeah, that one is a new skill, and we're going to put links to all of the the resources and, and books and information in our in our show notes. But hey, before we let you go, we sh- loved our conversation. We like to ask our guests just a takeaway of the day. You know, if there is one message that you hope our listeners remember from our, our conversation today, what what would that be? I'll each of you, whoever wants to go first. say, yeah, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't feel like you're alone. And um, don't feel like that you're lacking because things are are struggles. Don't struggle too long by yourself. Reach out. There's many people, many different types of sources to help you in your relationship. So don't, don't go it alone because there are our processes. And be willing to learn and grow. We'll grow together in your relationship, we'll grow as an individual. I mean, if there are things that you've brought from your past into the space between, which all of us do, uh, then do something with them. Why? Because that's going to n- continue to nurture the space so that it's safe to connect. Yeah, I love that. That growth, that whole idea of growth is is awesome. Liz, what about you? What's your takeaway today? You know, I've, I've just, I've always loved safe conversations. And again, I think I make a grave mistake if I don't present it to a couple. I love just the fact that we can ask to start with, is this a good time for us to talk about blank? Mm-hmm. You start with a compliment and then one of you is a listener and one of you is a speaker. You validate, empathize, and before you switch places. I just think it's just wonderful. Yeah. Appreciate you so much. What about you, Dave? Yeah. You know, you, I think it was some of you who said this, um, and maybe I, I don't have it right. The conflict is growth waiting to happen. Is, is that what you said earlier, Sonia, something mm-hmm. to that effect? Yeah, sorry for that. Yeah, yeah I, I yeah. really love that. It's that whole idea that don't don't necessarily avoid conflict, but bring things up, handle them in in compassionate ways, and don't get you know watch your temper, your tongue, and your tone. And then I think owning it. I love that idea of just owning that. I, I talk about owning your bad, your b a d, your behavior, your attitude, and your drama. Right? B a d. Own your own your bad. Uh, my friends, uh, wow, Clay, so we have sure enjoyed having you on the the Stronger Marriage Connection podcast. Again, we'll put the links in our show notes. Uh, we sure enjoyed our conversation. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us. We're so glad to be with you. Thank you very much. We love hearing you guys. You got some wonderful messages. Uh, well, thank back. you. Yep. And to you, our listeners, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. And remember, it's the small things that create a stronger marriage connection. Bye bye for now. Bye now. 
Thanks for joining us today. Hey, do us a favor and take a few minutes to subscribe to our podcast and the Utah Marriage Commission YouTube channel where you can watch this and every episode of the show. When you hit the like button and leave a comment, your feedback helps us improve the show. And don't forget to share this episode with a friend. You can also follow and connect with us on Instagram at Stronger Marriage Life and on Facebook at Stronger Marriage. Be sure to share with us what topics you want us to explore and what you loved about today's episode. If you want even more resources to improve your relationship connection, visit our website at strongermarriage.org where you'll find free workshops, webinars, relationship surveys, and more. Each episode of Stronger Marriage Connection is hosted and sponsored by the Utah Marriage Commission at Utah State University. And finally, a big thanks to our producers Rex Polanis and Alexis Alcott and the team at Utah State University. And you, our audience, you make this show possible. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.